0: Hi, this is Laura. And Steven. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about things large and small. Today, we're talking about what women want after the aftermath of last episode's viral Facebook poll about where not to take women on a first date. We also talk a little bit about a card game called Red Flags and give a brief shout out to the 1999 classic film Dogma. We know you'll have fun because we had fun. Let's get into it. Hey listeners, it's Laura.
1: And Steven, what is up?
0: Hey, good afternoon, how are you?
1: I am doing pretty well. My emotional affect Ooh, is... Ooh, your
0: emotional state.
1: My emotional state, my emotional affect is well-rested, surprisingly, and uh, just feeling uh, like a positive glow from productivity. Is that, okay. that a thing? Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah,
0: on. yeah, and, and not to... Not to introduce negativity into this podcast, but I hate you for that because I am so not well-rested. I am a sleepy bobo of the highest order, flopsily going about my day. And it is productive, but I hate every single step I take.
1: However, it does give you a sort of Luke from Gilmore Girls quality, which many would argue is quite adorable and charming.
0: Oh yeah? You're, yeah. Are you
1: into the Lukishness of my vibe? I am. A little grumpy, but still doing the things that he or she knows needs to happen. That's yeah. that's the vibe.
0: And that's the Laura guarantee. Yeah. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: So I think you you, you're articulating how your emotional state is or what your current emotional affect is.
0: Well spotted.
1: Uh, Yes I I think the listeners probably identified that as well and I'm sure many of them could relate.
0: Yeah some sharp ears in Mm -hmm. the audience.
1: Very sharp ears like elf ears almost.
0: Mm -hmm. Or fox ears.
1: (laughs) With that said what is on your sleepy and slightly grumpy mind today? What is preoccupying you?
0: My sleepy and slightly grumpy mind has actually been going backwards towards the last podcast that we did, which in recording days was just yesterday, around that list of places not to take women on a first date. It, I'm really interested not so much in the actual data, but in what that data means. Mm. Because what I could parse from it, is that women did not want to be taken out to places that were low investment. And I expressed a desire for low investment dates as a first date. Mm. And that made me go, but why? Like, I'm not going to like marinate in a sort of not like the other girls sense of smugness Mm -hmm. that that holds no value to me. I want to know what this means. And what I think that it means is that I got into a committed relationship in my mid-20s and so dating for me stopped in my mid-20s. That means that my expectations around dating are about 10 years old. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that means that my expectations do not apply to the women who are my contemporaries the, the single women who are my contemporaries mm. so what do they want and i'm now just wondering what do women want
1: and in case anyone is a little bit lost for those of you who may not have turned, tuned in to our last podcast we talked about 28 there was a facebook list that went viral of 28 places to not take a woman on the first date and most of them consisted of places like cheesecake factory starbucks places where you kind of get to know women in like a very bite-sized format, not deep dive uh, type engagements. And that is what we're now discussing, like our reaction to that. Because looking at that list, Laura's question now is like, what what do women actually want? Because they talk, at least the women who wrote this, and what do women want in general? Because not necessarily what they're saying they want. So what do they want?
0: Well, maybe they are saying what they want. That's not in this, in this instance, in the Facebook poll instance, they are saying what they do not want. Mm. That is explicitly the point. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to reverse engineer what they do want mm-hmm. from that because there is within the data a question mark. It means something. What, what are, what's on your mind?
1: What's on my mind is actually that, that very question, what do women really want? But also, kind of segueing into something else, but related to the Red Flags topic, the Red Flags card game that I had a chance to play a few weeks ago, which it's just, it's like Cards Against Humanity, but instead of, instead of, you know, basically writing the most terrible thing you can and trying to make people laugh, you are trying to create the ideal dating partner with your, your white cards. Oh. And then somebody... Will then try to sabotage that dating partner by making, by adding the biggest red flag they possibly can. So there are white cards that have like positive things like being a millionaire or always picking out the kindest gifts or just being very, very, very considerate and generous. And then the red flags will be something like smells worse than any human you could possibly imagine does or greets everyone by sniffing their butts, basically. They're Mm. uh, like dog like.
0: Okay, and
1: you're just trying to come up with these these terribly clever and persuasive arguments for why X person should be dated, and then someone else tries to go, but they're terrible, and here's why you shouldn't date them. So that, it's a negotiation.
0: That that sounds like a really enjoyable card game, and a nice update to Cards Against Humanity, which has been my go to board game uh, like icebreaker. Yeah, but it's starting to feel quite dated.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And the fun, the fun thing about this particular game is the white cards are meant to be positive, right? Mm-hmm. And the red cards are meant to be red flags, negative. However, sure. a number of people actually played white cards, positive cards, as negative cards. And they were very effective.
0: See, and this, is the, the like, this is the what do people want question. Mm-hmm. I, I started with what do women want, but that's just because that was the demographic cohort of this Facebook poll around where not to take women. Hard no on Cheesecake Factory and Applebee's. Apparently. Okay, so what do single individuals in our age group desire? I was thinking about Dogma. Hmm. So Dogma, the uh, the film from maybe 2000, early 2000s film. It's it's on religion. It's a really satirical approach to religious questions. It's got Matt Damon. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. I was about to say Alec Baldwin because my brain, because 30 Rock is inside me. It's yeah. part of my DNA now.
1: The Kevin Smith masterpiece of The Kevin Godmark Smith masterpiece that, that made
0: my grandmother so angry. I am not uh, surprised. She's a Catholic. We'll walk right on past that.
1: Alanis Morissette is God. Mm-hmm. It has, I think, Chris Rock as one of the disciples. Oh, yes. Chris it Rock. Very, very, very good. Very, oh, very
0: good. Oh,
1: oh, and uh and Snape, my gosh. Um Alan Rickman as Alan the Metatron. Rickman as the Metatron. Great cast.
0: Guys, if that. you have not mm-hmm. seen this film and aren't particularly
1: Zealous about the Zealous religion? about
0: your religion. Mm-hmm. If you're not particularly concerned by jokes related to your religion, this is a phenomenal movie. And and I would argue that people of faith would not be offended by it because it is actually a celebration of mm-hmm. faith. Anyway, there's this scene, and I, I think it might be one of the more famous scenes from Dogma. You've got Janine Garofalo talking to your main character, and the main character is having a crisis of faith. So Janine Garofalo's character points out that as you get older, your needs change. What she says is, when you're small, she, she like puts her hand out, and shows like a little shot glass size glass. She's like, when you're small, you need very little faith to fill you up. But as you get get older, Mm. uh, that cup becomes larger and you need more and more Mm. to take in to support your faith. And I believe this is true of everything about life. I don't know if it's that you're exposed to more things or that your appetites grow, but you need more as you age. Mm. And I think that's true of romance. That has to be true of romance. And that has to be the reason that me looking at potential dates for people of my age would say yes, because Mm -hmm. when I was 25, those were acceptable dates. Mm -hmm. But someone in their late 20s and 30s, those would not be acceptable dates. Their glass is bigger, they need more to fill it up. Mm -hmm. So is it higher investment? Is it more interesting activities? Is it a gigantic interview where you come to terms with all of the values you may or may not share so you can just not waste anyone's time. <laughs> These are the questions. Maybe, maybe your red flags game can give me some insight here.
1: I, I would hope so. I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's fairly lighthearted and it, honestly it has some pretty ridiculous red flags, like some impossible red flags. Like whenever they say the word love they instantly get transported to Antarctica every time they say the word love and that was that was a fun one because
0: because it's a nice opportunity to expand your vocabulary it's a nice
1: opportunity to expand your vocabulary but also if that's the red card that you have played on someone else uh you know you can really play up the fact that you know Maybe you're not initially bothered by them not saying the word love because you know what happens if they do. However, in the back of your mind, it's eating at you. Do they actually love you? Do they actually care? Or are they just making this up? Like, is this just...
0: Give me some examples of like the white cards.
1: Oh, sure. So white cards, we've got fiercely loyal, believes you are the most attractive person they've ever seen. Okay. Trusting, respectful, funniest person in the world. Mm -hmm. Perfect communicator, loves cats, loves theater animal shelter volunteer that's oh. nice yeah owns your favorite museum
0: oh yeah oh dear
1: or for the the sporting or concert fans has front row tickets to every concert or the other one has front row tickets to every sporting event and yeah this those are just a number of the volunteers you can also or a number of the examples you can also kind of make your own card. like always smells like blank and then you kind of get a chance to, to make your own uh, okay. definition or looks exactly like blank someone mm-hmm. or, or a, a statue that you like a lot. I don't know.
0: <laughs> My favorite statue <laughs> yeah. come to life. Yeah. No problems with this.
1: And the fun thing about the white cards is some of the ones that I saw people use as what the white cards were supposed to be positives that I saw them use as, as red flags were like internet celebrity that was a white card that someone used as a red flag because they knew the person that they gave it to did not like internet stars, except for yoga with Adrian. They said, well, what if she is a, um, what if she is a, Oh
0: yeah. It was a social, it was social media influencers. You told me this story. Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: And and someone was like,
0: what if it's Adrian Mishler from yoga with Adrian? Yeah. That's, that's a white card. Yeah. That's a bright white card. They said
1: That's actually great. But typically that white card for that person would be actually a big negative negative. one card that i picked up was owns 100 horses and that uh-huh. was a big red flag for the person that i that i put that was that was judging uh-huh. my cards they said no that's a that's a red flag but i said you're just not seeing the opportunity here <laughs> if someone owns 100 horses that doesn't mean that they love horses that doesn't mean that you have to do anything with the horses that's just resources you could own a horse business you mm. could sell the horses you could have someone do something with the horses, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: that's unrealized profit. Yeah. That's, that's unrealized business potential. Exactly. Remember when we were talking about if horses were cheap? Mm-hmm. You've got 100 free horses.
1: Exactly. And if horses were free, then if you had 100 free horses, then you could absolutely start that, uh, that Uber, for, uh, Uber app for horses.
0: Requestrian, I Re- think was what you called Requestrian. it.
1: Requestrian, exactly. You want to request your own equestrian experience? You can rent a horse, Uber for horses. Uber for
0: horses. Horses. Equestrian.
1: It's, it's not, by the way, it's not renting a car. It's not asking a car to come pick up your horse. It is requesting that a horse come pick you up through Equestrian. Um, but yeah, so a lot of fun stuff with the white flags. Uh, those are the white flags, but the red flags, I wanted to just kind of call out them here. Uh, one of them thinks they're a Jedi. I guess literally thinks they're a Jedi. Or,
0: what if they're employed by the Disneyland Resort and performing in the Jedi Training Academy? Is this a red flag? No. You know, I actually could, I would anticipate some people being like, that whole thing is a red flag. Oh,
1: they might. They might they might actually think it's a red flag. But for some people, there.
0: they're like, that's amazing (laughs) entrance into disneyland
1: but again it's divisive right like yes it's also another one that's definitely divisive civil war reenactor ooh, yeah
0: very divisive depending on which side they fight for and your motivation
1: for being on x side or or y side
0: dude my okay so i i just want to interject a strange story my seventh grade history class was taught by two men one of whom was a, a civil war reenactor for the Confederates. And one of whom is like the quintessential liberal intellectual like that you imagine. Sort of, sort of uh, a smiley Santa Claus type, kind eyes, kind sentiments, big Bay Area liberal vibes. And my brain never really noticed the difference as a child but every day that I grow older, I remember more things from that single class and those two men who I now conceive of as like opposites of each other, mm-hmm. teaching me history. Anyway, Civil War reenactors. I, I have a personal experience with one of them. And maybe
1: you know that kind of speaks a bit. And he to...
0: was single.
1: Ah, there you go. And maybe that's that speaks a little bit to how, our, our thoughts as we get older our thoughts and perceptions, they get more complex. They get more colored by the years of experience that we have on this planet. We see both the good and the bad and the neutral and be quite frankly, confusing about the people around us. And that gives us more, um, that adds more color and more, honestly, complexity to what we need as we get older or what we, what we think we need. Because to be honest, I think we overcomplicate things. I think the older we get, people make these big complicated lists i know i did when i was you know late 20s oh, and single. You? i did i had a list of 100 qualities that a person had to meet that a, that a woman had to meet to in order for me to say yes this is someone i will date be their boyfriend and this is someone worthy of like us going to the next level um and honestly if, if i'm totally honest with myself it was about fear the list was there.
0: I know people who make those lists.
1: As a preventative measure to keep me from dating people because I was I was scared. However, I was scared of being hurt, scared of hurting someone else, scared of getting stuck in a rut with someone that I didn't feel we were right for each other. Mm. And because of that, I created all these barriers in the form of this list. And I think that's sometimes what people do. As you get older, you experience more heartbreak, you experience a little more pain. Uh, if you've dated a number of times, because mm-hmm. you have the highs of the positive experience, but you also have the lows of the negative dating experience, mm-hmm. and I think it's—I think some of it's about fear. I think it's—it's it's overcomplicating it so you don't get hurt again. I think that's a lot of it.
0: Yeah, maybe it's an atlas to the yeah. former heartbreaks of these individuals. Maybe something terrible happened in a cheesecake factory. Yeah, we don't know.
1: Yeah, and to or be an
0: Applebee's or bowling or at a coffee shop.
1: Yeah. And there is absolutely no judgment to making these big lists or having all of these requirements for dating, because to be honest, some people, they thrive outside of relationships and Mm -hmm. it's, they really need to have it be worthwhile for them to go into a relationship because...
0: Oh, yeah. 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 A fun fact historically is, you know, the term spinster. Mm -hmm. So we... We use it today to describe a, an older woman who is unmarried, and there's kind of like a negative glow around it. People are like, spinster. We're, like, we're getting better about it. What it comes from is that some women were employed as spinners, and this was a job that made you enough money that you didn't have to marry. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of these women who decided to stay single their entire lives because they could financially support themselves with this skilled trade. And that's where the term spinster comes from. It, yeah. it represents actually economic liberation for women. Yeah. So some people do thrive in singleness, and you should certainly have the choice. Absolutely. But if you are looking for love, what does that look like? I, I think it's individual. And that's what's so fun about the, the red flags game and so fun about that list that, that continues to, to make its way around my head. I really want to know what people want. And when I, I I do know a lot of single people in my age group and they do tell you what they want, but it doesn't, maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe, maybe they are concerned with how attractive people are, with how much money they make, with their level of general independence. Like maybe those really do make up the foundational matter of a relationship. But as I was going through dating, and I really, really liked it and took it very seriously, I I was just looking for someone I liked who was nice to me. Mm-hmm. And I figured that everything else could grow. But maybe this is like the naive perspective of someone in their 20s. Maybe. I don't know.
1: I mean, another thought about what, it, what it's about is you have... You have people who haven't just lived for 15, 18 years. you have people who have potentially lived 30, 40, 50, mm-hmm. 60 years. What have they done with their life during that time? Probably a lot. Whether yeah. it's develop you know a hobby into a passion, into a specialty, into something else, mm-hmm. whether it's build a business into like a successful startup or whatnot, mm-hmm. whether it's building their career, whether it's just developing a very, very big group of friends like of hundreds or dozens of friends that they just you know they commune with not commune with that they hang out with on the regular <laughs> <They> commune, with. <laughs> they commune with or whether it's like working with the nonprofit for 10, 20 years you've had or running for how the the specific thing doesn't matter, but the point is they put a lot of time into creating themselves and developing themselves. And I think the expectation is that anyone that they would date also has put a lot of time into developing themselves. And, you know, progressing past that progressing path or like early past their early youth.
0: Oh, totally. And I, I think that's that life cycle is evident, like even early on, even even in your late high school years, it becomes clear that certain people are pathing. Mm-hmm. And let me just share my perspective on the dating world. When I looked out at potential candidates to date, I didn't I didn't just see them as the individuals that they were. I kind of conceived of them as these doorways into different worlds because every single one of them had their own little developed world. Absolutely. And when you partner with someone, they let you in. And that, that is the true joy of dating. I think Um, your ability to enter worlds you never would have touched otherwise to be shown things you wouldn't have seen. It's an opportunity certainly to learn and it's an opportunity to grow. And that's, that to me is core in the love experience. Mm-hmm. It's love is a unique biochemical reaction that recedes your ego boundaries. Um, so I, I read this book when I was like in middle school called General Theory of Love. It was three PhDs who wanted to study the the scientific, who wanted to scientifically study the neurochemical impact of being in love, and what they noticed in neuroimaging was that people who were in love displayed. Uh, lowered ego boundaries. So what that means is that they didn't conceive of themselves as, as just concretely the single self that we usually walk around with. They had lowered them to allow the other person in. Other things that do this are intoxicants. So hallucinogenics, natural hallucinogenics will also eliminate ego boundaries. And that's what some people will attribute to um, sort of a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. So love does that to you love is a spiritual experience it transforms you it allows you to integrate another personality into your personality and alchemize and change Hmm. so i was like sweet love that love that for me and as a consequence i never really looked at the material components of the dating like i've dated people in tons of different economic situations at different stages of their their careers older younger and What they all had in common was that they could teach me about themselves. And that teaching made me bigger, Mm. made my my concept of the world larger. And to me, that was the win. So when I see dating approached from a practical perspective, I kind of have a difficulty latching onto it as an idea. I, I know that it is one of the most important practical decisions you will make in your life. But it relies on impractical components. Mm-hmm. It, it is a drug. Well, it, it has the effect of a drug. The neurochemical reaction is so profound and lasts for so long. Limerence will last anywhere between two months and two years. And that's like the heavy infatuation period where like your ego boundaries are down. You're like, this person is amazing. Angels sing on high when I'm near them. And I get that emotional high mm-hmm. around them of being in love. So it's not practical or reasonable or in some cases even voluntary. How do we approach it?
1: Well, I think the reason why people try to approach it from a practical perspective is exactly mm-hmm. the reason, why some may approach mm-hmm. it this way, is exactly the reason you mentioned because love is an intoxicant, especially being mm-hmm. in like heavily in love. Mm-hmm. You feel drunk and it means that If because you're heavily intoxicated and it breaks down your boundaries it means that you necessarily will change Mm. when you are in love and it means that whatever they're doing their whole thing is going to change maybe a little bit maybe a lot of it and people
0: hate change they
1: do especially if they've spent 30 40 50 years building their life Mm. so i think some people don't like being in love they won't say that nobody says I don't like being in love. But I think some people actively avoid being in love the way some people avoid drinking because they don't like the feeling of the lack of control. They don't, they, they don't trust themselves when they're in love mm. or when they drink because for whatever reason, they've had a bad experience or whatnot. But I think that's part of it. I think that's why people try to come at it from a practical perspective. They're trying to take something that is very, very emotional mm. and try to add practicality to it because yeah just
0: little bumpers
1: exactly but but that that i don't think that's going to get them what they want to be honest because it's it's not a practical thing it's a it's a thing that comes from your soul like when you fall in love with someone you can't control who it is you could be a pauper and fall in love with a prince a a prince or vice versa Mm -hmm. you could be like i don't know that guy that hangs out on the street corner with the sign they're just for some reason, they just really get me.
0: And that's the extreme example where, honestly, I think uh, less less happens to, for example, the prince in that case, because the prince can simply elevate the pauper and the pauper will have their entire life changed, certainly. But the prince's life doesn't change due to the concentration of resources and power. For people in the middle, in normal life, it's actually in in many ways a lot more threatening because your whole life can change and there isn't guaranteed safety mm-hmm. I have witnessed and experienced the transformative nature of committed love mm-hmm. and it did honestly feel like a lot of my life was ending because there were so many structures that got demolished to make way for this new structure I, I guess I could that's these are fair. These are fair concerns. The threat is very real. Yeah. The risk-reward breakdown, I would argue, is worth it. And I, I think that's why we keep doing this whole yeah. falling in love and building human society around the family structure that we do. But what do women want?
1: I was hoping you could tell us. I mean, as... <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, my position is that every individual is so individual, and I know that I want specific things, and the specific things that I want are born out of personal experiences and personal preoccupations, and I can't imagine anyone would have the same, they'd probably have like a similar category of desires Mm -hmm. to what I have, but the nuts and bolts of what I'm into, like how annoyed I am at getting flowers, it would be hard to sympathize Mm -hmm.
1: with. Yeah. I mean, I could say what women have told
0: me they want. Women have told me things too. Friends have told me things mm-hmm. and and strangers. Yeah. But, but I,
1: as a non-woman, I can't really say what women actually want. Well, that's
0: the thing. People don't actually know what they want. Mm. And that isn't a criticism. It's just that until you get the thing, you aren't really sure what your relationship to it will mm. be. Until you get that emotion... The, the feeling, the, uh, the amenities that like, until you get there, you don't really know. You like the idea of things.
1: Question, if we could read women's minds, do you think we would be able to know what they actually want or just what they thought? Would their, would their thoughts inform their actual desires or just their, their fleeting thoughts in the moment?
0: So I think that like with the trope of mind reading, you hear language right you mm-hmm. hear the thought statements of an individual and i would make the argument that the the thoughts that you put into words are more operating orders than desires mm-hmm. yeah. i think desires live in silent yawning prime primordial, primal, like crocodile brain, non-language sections of ourselves. Yeah. That's a perspective that, again, I don't know is, I don't know if it's very common, but what we truly want is a mixture between the animalian part of us and our, our actual experiences in the world, what we like and what we don't like. I remember one time my mom's friend from work casually said, ah, oh, a guy with a Mazda, is there any bigger turnoff? And I was like, somebody who's mean to you?
1: I remember that.
0: <laughs> um, but like that speaks to my experience, which is I have had male figures in my life be mean to me. And I'm like, I do not like that. I will not be having this again. <laughs> so one of my key things is someone that I'm with has to be nice to mm-hmm. me.
1: Well, I think that speaks more to your core values than like your surface thoughts. So I think, maybe. I think about that movie, "What Women Want," which is why it's coming up now, uh-huh. where that guy can read minds. But I Mel think Gibson, Mel Gibson, in
0: case you've forgotten, oh my gosh, I did forget dude, remember when he was just a romantic lead in the '90s, and yeah. we're like, I love Mel Gibson. I
1: remember that like a fever dream from the
0: past. I know he but, did like an incredible Hamlet. Anyway, not the point.
1: But if you think if you think about it, like maybe it's not reading the surface thoughts that could tell you what women actually want but if you could visually see cards that represented their values like i don't know power or Mm -hmm. love or compassion or trust or niceness like that's not even as specific as i'm trying to be with it but like just their core values writ on cards i Mm -hmm. think that would inform what they actually want
0: oh yeah because the subcommunication of that statement, "a man with a Mazda," is there any bigger turnoff? Is this man doesn't have enough money for me? Yeah, um, and that was her one of her core values: the the financial security. Let's say it's financial yeah. security, and make no further judgments. Which is a really reasonable core value, yeah. particularly in America, where financial instability has very major consequences.
1: Yeah, as we talked about in the the list of. Five red flags from the Washington Post article, which oh, I much yes. more agree with uh, than the twenty-eight things that you should places do, you
0: shouldn't take them shouldn't <laughs>
1: take a woman uh, on a first date. A lot of those five red flags from the Washington Post were very money related, very mm-hmm. like financial stability and security related. Yeah, and, and that actually tells us a lot about the author's core values, which is security, stability. In general.
0: Dude, I would go farther, actually. I think it talks about generational values. Mm. I think this because millennials have gone through the Great Recession. We have gone, well, not even that, further back. We went through the dot-com burst. We went through 9-11. I remember after the dot-com burst, um, bust, I, I was living in San Jose, which is like the heart of Silicon Valley. Everybody works in tech there. My mom does. The, the Mercury News is San Jose's paper. And they would do advertisements in uh, movie theaters before the show. And I remember Post.com, there was this this advertisement that sticks with me to this day, which was, yesterday you were a 27-year-old millionaire, now you're just 27. And so, like, we have lived in this world, right? We we went from the 90s to the 2000s, and through the 2000s to the Great Recession— the Hope and Change era of Obama and and um, major some a lot of recovery from the Great Recession, but it it really has still had incredible impacts. Mm-hmm. And then we we went through COVID, which was another economically um, strenuous time. So millennials are very concerned about money. Yeah, I don't even know if it's a personal concern. I think it is generational.
1: And speaking to generational concerns or generational values, mm-hmm. I will say um, my my mother has a, an interest in or a, a, actually a very strong belief in like, generational sins or, or uh, original sins, personal sins.
0: I'll come with and you on generational traumas, but I'm not going to go into the sin.
1: Exactly. Neither am I. I, I don't I don't believe that, I don't believe that there are these sins that you inherit. But um, ancestral sins or whatever but Uh I do believe that there are some values that we inherit from our collective like the millennial collective Mm -hmm. or you know my personal family like there's some values that I inherited uh, and then there's also personal values that I just decided I said you know what this works for me I really resonate with Mm -hmm. this thing so I, I do believe there are these personal collective and like I guess, familial uh, values that you have. And every person is a mix of at least those three different types of values.
0: Oh yeah, I was actually um, reading a book earlier today. Uh, It's called, It Didn't Start With You. And it is about generational, well, it's about your traumas are probably generational. It didn't start with you, right? And this idea is introduced by the author where he says, your fears and your concerns are representative of your core language and that's generational Mm. like so from your parents grandparents even great grandparents ask yourself about your anxieties write those down and go through them like i can't do this because if i did i would die go further what would happen if you died then your family wouldn't be like you couldn't support your family anymore like but basically dig into those concerns Mm. and underneath at the bottom you'll find elements of your core language mm-hmm. your core values mm-hmm. which are often not, which often do not start with you
1: and from your core values can you then understand what your wants are what mm-hmm. your needs are and then i think that informs what women want probably if you understand a particular w- woman or a generation of women's core values then i think you can understand what they actually want
0: i'm sure that's true and i would make the argument that you we can't say what any collection of people want in these areas, Mm-mm. in individual areas. The question is, do you as an individual know yourself well enough to know what you want?
1: Ooh, that is a good question.
0: That is what you have to ask yourself, I think, in the area of romance, in the area of anything, romance, profession, how you want to live your life. You just really have to invest in the intrapersonal exploration to determine what you want. I I feel qualified to make this statement only because I I got obsessed with the idea of figuring out what I wanted romantically at a really young age like in elementary school mm-hmm. and like this is the area of interest mm-hmm. and I feel I feel very good about what I found I feel like it does satisfy all of those core needs that I identified and I know how much work it takes to get there.
1: Mm-hmm. Could be a good question for our listeners too. Do yeah. How well do you know yourself? Do you, do you know, know yourself, yourself
0: well enough to know what you want? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people in my my family who have statements of want, but behave differently. And so I'm like, I really don't think you know yourself well mm-hmm. enough to know what you want. No criticism. You can go through life that way. Yeah.
1: And I think the biggest way to tell it's not always it's not 100% but the biggest way to tell if what you think you want is actually what you want or not mm-hmm. is if you do the thing that you say you want and it makes you sad it may not be what you actually want it may be, be what you think you want
0: but also you do experience grief when you get what you want
1: that and that's what makes it complicated it's
0: so complicated right oh
1: because in human ask yourself,
0: condition oh, being alive oh.
1: <laughs> it's, it's 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 a challenge but i love it i'm, I'm glad we we're here talking it's not about a
0: problem it. it's a challenge yeah exactly
1: to, to quote last five years
0: yeah fantastic <laughs> yeah.
1: musical by the way fantastic very very sad but very very good well that said we have we have taken a, a lot of very fun twists and turns on this we started out talking about red flags and then we got into what women want then we got into what people want
0: it has been a lengthy and involved lunch yeah. break
1: Listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. Uh, You know, this is definitely a topic of a lot of interest (laughs) to us. Hopefully it is for you too. And if you you have any more topics you want us to talk about, you want us to keep talking about this, let us know. Happy to do more. If you want us to do less, if you're like, nah, relationships suck. Well, maybe we can talk about that too, how they can suck. Because they can sometimes.
0: Yeah, share your thoughts on love, on yourself, on the investigation of self is this too deep? Was it deep? Was it shallow? Tell me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm too tired to know. Or just tell us what you think about the red flags card game. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool Have too. you played the red flags card game? It sounds like a really good game. I'm going to bring it to my next, my next little friend hangout. Oh, yeah. I think that will be an exciting opportunity for all of us to learn and grow together. It'd
1: be a great way to spend Thanksgiving, honestly.
0: Oh, that's, mm-hmm. I, mm. yeah. Do you want to know this about your family? I
1: don't. I don't. <laughs> Friendsgiving.
0: <laughs> oh, Friendsgiving. Of course, of course. An excellent game for that Friendsgiving.
1: That said, what do you say? Should we call it a day?
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for spending time with us, listeners. We love doing this. We love you.
1: We love each and every one of you. Yes. Every one of you.
0: Every single one of you. Whether we know you or not. That's right.
1: Whether you exist yet or not, we love you. Totally. <laughs> the mere
0: fact that we're connecting on this platform mm-hmm is enough to generate love <laughs> that's right <laughs> anyway uh hope you're having a great day yeah. have a great rest of your work day and listeners i will catch you on the next lunch break bye
1: bye this has been steven and laura thanks for tuning in to midday musings the podcast where we talk about all things large and small be sure to follow us on spotify and look out for polls and q a's in the future we'd love to hear from you your thoughts and reactions with us on Spotify and on social media. Catch you next lunch break.